Empire. For some athletes, the world needs to open back up now. Oh, we really need it. They need to be together. We need, uh, you know, I've got this book you know about, Bram, that's uh, uh, called Unite, which is, you know, the subtitle is Voices of Hope and Awakening. It's 100 people, including Special Olympics athlete Loretta Claiborne, saying, let's be there for each other. That's Tim Shriver, chairman of the Special Olympics International, where a pandemic has been particularly difficult to navigate. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Tim Shriver has dedicated his professional life to building connectivity and bridging inclusion. The pandemic affected everyone, but the Special Olympics saw a pronounced set of issues to deal with. Competition, social inclusion, fighting loneliness. It's been a year to reflect on best practices. And now that the light is at the end of the tunnel, we hope, Tim is ready to get back to the good work. Our guest this week is the chairman of the Special Olympics International, Tim Shriver. Tim, it is a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me share this time with your audience. Um, I want to start really with what's happened over the last year, which I can only imagine in your world there have been the big events that people know about, and there are the little events that are probably happening literally every single day somewhere around the world. And the world shut down. So what has Special Olympics been trying to do through a pandemic? Well, look, the, the biggest challenge facing people with intellectual disabilities outside of the challenges of whatever their conditions might be uh, is loneliness, it's social isolation. So a pandemic is not good. Uh, it, uh, exact, it has, um, you know, our, our population has been too depending on how you count, two to six times more likely to die in COVID. Places like group homes, congregate care centers have been ravaged by COVID, both the professionals who work there as well as the people who live in them. It's been a very, very, very painful year. Um, you know, they, I, it, it, it sounds almost trivial to say it. Our athletes tend to keep their spirits high. We have a lot of Zoom events now, a lot of fitness programs online, a lot of <laughs> celebrities who come. And, you know, Bart Connor led us in a jump rope challenge last week, the Olympic, two-time Olympic gold medal gymnast uh, and longtime leader of our movement led us in that. And, and folks from the WWE built a School of Strength, a fitness site online. So we've tried the best we can to keep people fit and engaged and connected. But it's been tough. It's it's this is this has taken a toll. So what has been done? Virtual games, virtual workouts, and how ha- how have you pivoted? A lot of virtual workouts. Yeah. A lot of virtual workouts. A lot of virtual fitness programs. A lot of virtual. You know, uh, hopefully this will accelerate our capacity to build athletes. Uh, we're trying to raise money now to build apps for our early childhood program for little children two and three and four apps that their moms could use at home to get them active and. Yeah. Same thing for fitness and nutrition apps that people can use later uh, throughout the life cycle. So we're looking at all those things and trying to accelerate the digital revolution in the Special Olympics movement. But what we really need, honestly, what we really need is we need to be together. We need, uh, you know, I've got this 
book you know about Bram that's uh, uh, called The Unite, which is, you know, the subtitle is Voices of Hope and Awakening. It's 100 people, including Special Olympics athlete Loretta Claiborne, saying, let's, let's, let's be there for each other. You know, uh, Pastor Rick Warren says in the book that we're living in a tsunami of grief. But other folks in the book say, like Chef Jose Andra says, we need an empathy explosion. And that's, that's the Special Olympics movement, an empathy explosion. That's what we're looking forward to. Um, and, and do you think with the world opening up again, and hopefully no variants will slow that down, but we are heading towards what appears to be getting back together again, um, that, that we're following that path. Do you, do you see that coming down the road? Well, I see, uh, I see a tale of two worlds, honestly. You know, our movement's in 190 countries. Uh, in the vast majority of those countries, there's no vaccine and there's no shot for, there's no sense that it's coming anytime soon. In uh, our own country, uh, the United States, we still have a lot of states that don't prioritize people for, with intellectual disabilities for vaccine. And then other places, I just got off the phone with one of my colleagues who happens to have Down syndrome, lives in Florida. He's all vaccinated. He's ready to go. He wants to get out. He wants to play. He can't, he can't wait. Um, so I think we're going to see uh, some uh, reopenings. I hope they're safe. I think they will be for the most part. But goodness, uh, this thing hasn't hasn't ended its its ravaging yeah. uh, of our community. And uh, just to ask people if they know someone with intellectual disability, if they care about people with intellectual challenges, if they respect diversity, as we talk so much about now, and thank God we do, and equity and inclusion. Uh, keep this population in mind because they're they're still gonna. There's a lot of suffering uh, we could help avoid if we if we respond more effectively in the next couple of months. I really want to stay on your movement, but you've mentioned a lot of things that are you know more broad than just the Special Olympics, like inclusion and diversity and all of these issues that have become commonplace that we are dealing with, not only in a pandemic, but in a, in a politically polarized time here in this country and, of course, around the world. Um, can you kind of reiterate what you think the Special Olympics can show to everyone as we try to navigate all of these issues together? Well, it's a great question. I'm super glad you asked because I've spent the last couple of years of my life trying to help people see that if they just watched the athletes of Special Olympics, they would get a master class in how to heal division, come together, cancel judgment, and find common ground. It's this, this movement, you know, people go by and they think they're watching a track meet. They're watching uh, Nobel Prize winners in healing division. Think about people with intellectual disabilities just for a second. These are people who up until a few years ago and still in many countries are locked away for life. This is the epicenter of people who've experienced division all over the world in every culture, uh, not just in North America, not just in South America, but everywhere. And yet invite people to play together, invite people to celebrate their abilities, not their disabilities, invite people to meet as they play, invite people to celebrate their achievements, not their limitations, and do it in an aura and in an environment where there's no judgment about what you start with. And guess what? The best in humanity comes out. That's a formula for our country. That's a formula for our politics. That's a formula for the media. Uh, 
for whatever it's worth, I haven't, we haven't quite convinced the world to follow the athletes of Special Olympics, the model, but this book, you know, the call to unite voices of hope. This is a book that follows the model of Special Olympics. Meet, listen, cancel judgment, celebrate gifts, focus on what we can do together. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. It's, it's within our reach. And when people say it's hopeless, that's the only thing I disagree with profoundly. It's within our reach to heal some of these divisions and to make our country more just and more joyful. Uh, the athletes of Special Olympics have proved that it's possible. I don't, really don't want to do too much political stuff. I really want to talk about tech and, and Special Olympics in general. But I, I do have one one follow-up question with this, which was, and this this may be something that you've dealt with um, throughout your years with the organization, but it became a newsworthy issue during the last administration about funding. So I'm just curious about where the funding stands now for the Special Olympics. Is it in a place where you feel like the organization will be able to to move forward? Well, look, the, the uh, we don't have anywhere near enough funding to do what we're trying to do. We have 6 million athletes around the world in 190 countries, over 60 of those countries have zero paid staff, zero. Not a single person who's paid in an entire nation. So we love volunteers, we thrive on the spirit of volunteerism, we're nothing without volunteers, but we need more resources around the world. There's no question, and the pandemic uh, has made that even more clear. Good news, generosity of average donors, particularly in the United States, went up in 2020. Shocking, but we saw this with other causes too. It's a beautiful thing to remember that average Americans gave more in their want than they had given in their plenty. When they saw the needs of their brothers and sisters, average Americans gave more, even though they themselves had greater needs. Shockingly beautiful story, if you ask me. Uh, we get still uh, to continue our work in education and in healthcare. We do get funding from uh, governments in this country and around the world because we deliver services. You know. We're not just a track meet once a year any longer, if we ever were that. We're now a cradle-to-grave health, education, sports-centered movement in communities, 100-plus thousand events a year. So some of those things are funded by governments, and thank God those government resources have continued to sustain those efforts. But look, we've got a long way to go um, for diversity, equity, and inclusion in our movement. A long, long way to go. We're going to work like heck. To, to accelerate the speed of change. And um, uh, we need more funding to do it, but um, we're going to work hard to go out and earn it. You had mentioned technology, and, and obviously that got accelerated here in a pandemic, as I, I assume you tried to stay engaged with families and athletes. Um, and, and you had mentioned that you know you worked with parents in general. Um, can you talk about the relationship of technology and modern tech with the athletes themselves how do they and i know there's a broad spectrum of athletes here um how do they interact with modern technology well it's just you you said it right there it's a spectrum i mean we have athletes who are geniuses on social media we have athletes running podcasts of their own we have athletes posting regularly with messaging videos and, and the like and we have athletes uh, for whom a digital device is just a, you know not a, not not a not a potential resource at all. Um, so um, we've got a we've got the whole gamut in, in this movement, and so we have to try to program for the whole gamut. We want to give those athletes who are really excited about the digital capacities the chance to use them, 
to connect with others, to build community and safely, to learn from each other. Moms in particular and dads want to know things from other moms and dads about their children. My child's eight years old who has Williamson or my child's 12. He's just becoming an adolescent. He has Down syndrome. What can I learn from others? There are ways in which we can use technology to help facilitate those kinds of conversations in a safe space in Special Olympics. And then uh, there's the irreplaceable dimensions of our work, which is to look someone in the eye, to be able to touch someone on the shoulder and put their arm over your shoulder or put your arm over theirs, uh, to laugh, to high five, to, to race for a soccer ball and give everything you've got to getting it while the other person is trying to do the same thing. You know, th- this isn't going to be replaced on a screen, in my view. Never, never, never. We will always be primarily a community-building organization that relies on face-to-face interactions because it's in face-to-face interactions where you get heart-to-heart interactions. And when you have heart-to-heart, you see change. That's our, remains our dream and our foundation. Which goes back to one of the core issues for the pandemic, which was loneliness that you had touched on. Um, How did you view loneliness and how the Special Olympics as an organization could help facilitate being less lonely during a extended time period where going outside and being together was going to be impossible. You know, we just did the best we could. You know, we have like in the book, people talk about sending love letters, uh, you know, to people you don't, you might not have talked to send an email. We do that. We've, uh, we've had lots of uh, global webinars where we've invited people to come sing. We have athletes singing every two weeks and dancing and performing and music. Why? Because we want to see them. We want to hear from them. We want to know what they're doing. We want to feel their energy. So we've tried everything um, that we know of to do. Um, and I think, you know, look, there's no, there's no community grittier than this community. You know, there how many people, how many communities on earth does everybody wake up pretty much every day, every day, everywhere, expecting adversity, expecting finger pointing, humiliation, rejection, sad. I mean, it's every day, every day. And yet they go, and yet they come after. And yet they, they say the Special Olympics, oh, let me be brave in the attempt. Every day. So this is the, this is the toughest, uh, strongest community I know of anywhere on earth. And I don't mean that in a, in a superior way. I just mean that in a, in a, in a, from, from a point of view of admiration and awe. It, it's awe inspiring. So, uh, all that energy, uh, our athlete community has needed it this past year and will need it in the year to come. We'll keep adapting. We'll keep adjusting. Uh, we're going to have world games in Kazan in Russia. Uh, people said, well, you can't do that. Why not? Yes, we can. World Winter Games in Kazan, Russia in 2022. Come on, world. Uh, look beyond the politics. Look beyond the division. Look beyond the assumptions and the expectations. And yes, get a vaccine, be safe, wear a mask, and then come to Kazan and show the world we can come together. You know, that, that to me, People say, you must be crazy. I say, well, that crazy and from your worldview, baby, but not from this one. Not if you hang around the athletes of Special Olympics. You'll know why we're going to Kazan because they don't take no for an answer and they don't accept uh, stereotypes uh, and labels 
uh, and the designs of government to stop them from human connection. No, no, and no, we go, we're going, we're going. Uh, and after that, we'll go to Germany. And after that, we'll go other places for world games. Yes. And we've been to Abu Dhabi and we've been to Greece. And yes, we've been to China and Japan. Yes, we'll continue to travel the world, holding world games, holding regional games, holding national games, holding local games. Even when there's no welcome, we'll do the best we can to hold the games. Why? Because this community is brave and continues over and over again to say no to the naysayers and say yes to the possibilities. It's an unreal education in the best of humanity. Um, so, you know, your broader stories, um, one, are inspiring, and two, um, they're, they're told. Um, you had mentioned earlier that trying to tell those individual stories has been hard to do. And I want to kind of circle back to technology where other athletes are finding ways to brand themselves, I guess would be one way to put it, through the use and leveraging of, of social media. You as an organization and the athletes and the families of the athletes themselves, how do you view trying to tell those stories through social media or other methods to get those type of individual stories out that you're seeking? Well, we've got to do better, but we've had some great successes. Chris Nickich you know, was the first person with Down syndrome to complete the Ironman. Uh, he was wildly celebrated, uh, got millions and millions of likes and follows on Facebook. It's an extraordinary achievement to have the challenges of Down syndrome and the ex extraordinary power of the Ironman. I mean, it's just staggering. So we get those stories and, and those fit into a more natural mode of the Herculean achievements of uh, one individual human being, they, they, they grow like you can't believe. And we're very proud of Chris and his family, all the people who've coached and supported him in Florida. And then we have many other stories. Loretta Claiborne continues to tell extraordinary stories and is featured uh, in this book, uh, The Call to Unite, but has also been on the air quite a lot. We have athletes in the Middle East who have spoken out in the recent year uh, and done Zoom calls uh, to their fellow athletes there. And they've gotten quite a lot of attention. So, you know, we, we have to do better. The part of social media that's just looking for the, the shocking celebrity angle on things, we're not going to, that's not going to be us. But there's a great, there's a great community in social media that's looking for authenticity, looking for the real deal, looking for heart based change, you know, looking for real feeling, not the, not the bull. Uh, in that, for that community, we can rise and we can do better and we will, we will continue to do so. Uh, our social channels are good. Unified Generation has fantastic videos for young people. A lot of use on social media videos for schools to help schools become more inclusive, taught by and presented by young people themselves. So it's growing. Uh, and, uh, I, I think the future is bright from, from, from the point of view of our movement because we have amazing stories. We just have to find ways to tell them even more powerfully than we have in the past. I want to spend just one moment on this because you mentioned you have a partnership with the WWE, a thing called the School of Strength. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about how the WWE is interacting with Special Olympics? Well, I mean, the first thing you got to know is our athletes love the WWE. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a, uh, there, we have a very strong fan community in our athlete community for the WWE. Many of the great celebrities of the WWE have also been huge fans of Special Olympics. I don't actually know completely why, but many of them over the years, Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, many have come to the athletes of Special Olympics. Somehow the WWE champions see our athletes as in some ways their kin, their 
their fellow athletes. I, I can't explain that completely myself, but uh, the leadership of the WWE, um, the McMahons, have just been terrific uh, in supporting the Special Olympics movement. And so we've uh, we've really grown that relationship, and uh, I've met with their superstars in India, and obviously in the United States, and all around the world. And uh, they come, and uh, our athletes love it, and I think the uh, the, uh, the wrestlers love it too. It's a, it's a it's a great relationship for us. All right, last thing, and then I'll I'll let you go. Um, uh, as you pointed out, uh, and I, I think this probably comes from a place of privilege, living here in this country and and where I live, I am vaccinated. And I am looking forward to light at the end of the tunnel. And as you pointed out, there are a lot of places in this world that aren't even close to anything like that. But I'd like to kind of look from an optimistic point of view that they will catch up and we will be opening the world back up in the near future. What would be the short term goals as we come out of a pandemic for the Special Olympics? Well, our, our goal is the same. is just to get back on the playing field. Um, our bodies want to move. Our hearts want to connect. Our minds want to be refreshed uh, and open again. Uh, we are a full, full body movement. You know, we, we, we play with our bodies. We, we live in this movement with our hearts and we challenge our minds to think differently, to enter onto the playing field of the athletes of Special Olympics and unified sports or any of our traditional sports is a full living, breathing experience. It changes everything, puts everything back. We want to get back on the playing field. Uh, our athletes are dying. I'm dying to get back to the playing field with our community. Uh, our community is needed now more than ever. Uh, people are struggling. Let's be honest. High, high rates of pain in our country and around the world. A lot of grief, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of despair about the future, a lot of fear of one another, a lot of divisiveness all around us. Our country needs the athletes of Special Olympics now in a way I think is almost irresistibly urgent. So we want to play this safely, of course, safety first. But as soon as we get on that playing field, we want to send a message to the country. Hope, awakening, together, we can do this. And we will. Tim Shriver is the chairman of the board for the Special Olympics International. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Tim. Thanks for having me, Bram. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the growth of professional esports teams accelerates. I really think as as these brands get more educated by, you know, companies like Misfits, you know, and and our counterparts, they, this, they will surge in this environment because they have the experts guiding them. That's Lagan Nash, Chief Revenue Officer of Misfits Gaming, where we'll discuss the sector's goals for 2021 and beyond. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.